Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Got two hosts here with me today. Chris and Neil, thanks for joining me again. Thank you. Great Good to be, be here. here. We have a new president. We this week have seen, uh, well, it won't be this week by the time this podcast drops next week, but last week, I guess, from the point of the podcast being listened to, saw for the 46th time in this country's history, the transfer of power peaceably from one president to another. And I want to say something on the front end of this before we even discuss the new president and all that has gone on with that. I don't like election years as a pastor. (laughs) I find them hard. I find them taxing. And this particular election this past year may have been the most taxing on me as a pastor and in the ministry since I have been there. I started in ministry this fall will mark 20 years. First church I took was in 2001. So it's kind of hard to believe that that is true. But of all the elections that I have seen come and go since I've been a pastor, this one by far has been the hardest. Brothers, what would would you agree with that? Or what are your thoughts on that as well? Well, what is that they call when two storms fall together and create one big superstorm? And that, that's what we had this year. And so it's a perfect ways, storm. Yeah, this it's hard to separate all that went on in 2020. And, and say, hey, it was just the election. Well, it was not just the election. It was the racial tension we felt as a nation. It was COVID and, and what that has done to us as a nation. And, and so all together. Murder I, yeah, hornets. Yeah, murder hornets. Forgot about, those were little. Like, we forgot about those. And, cocaine, and yep. year, they, there, there were also cocaine hippos down in South America. Yeah, well, th- those guys America. have been there a while. Yeah, they've been there for a little dust bit. flying into the United States. <laughs> so, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think, I think all that came together in a way that obviously none of us could have anticipated. We didn't see it coming, but it really did make for a rough year. And, and that's true for everybody. I mean, every family, every profession had challenges, but, but for pastoral ministry, yes, this was a, a very challenging year. And uh, I, I don't know. It's necessarily going to get better anytime soon, really. <laughs> uh, I think what we what we've seen in the past year is God have exposed some things in the church. You know, anytime we go through hardship, I, I I was sharing a video post right after the Capitol was stormed on January was that sixth or seventh? I can't remember the date on that. It was the sixth. Martin Lloyd-Jones was preaching at Westminster in uh, London back in the 1940s when World War II broke out. And he said, you know, everybody was wanting peace because, you know, in London, they were afraid the Nazis were going to bomb them and that, you know, they were in this wartime. And one of the things he says in there is, uh, do we deserve peace? Are we a people that deserve peace? Nobody even steps back to ask that question. And with such tumultuous times, you know, I, you know, how do we... Thinking through here as a pastor, what is God doing in a lighter picture here? You know, in the Old Testament, we see God will uh, definitely exercise discipline to the nation of Israel, and he does that to draw them back to himself. 
and we have seen, I, I mean, I, it has been, it's not even been like, it's been hatred that we have seen in our nation for, it's, you know, the Bible talks about affections growing cold. People are hating each other. I have seen for the first time ever in social media, when the election was over, I saw people post things like, if you voted for this candidate, we're nothing alike. Don't talk to me anymore. Unfriend me. Yeah. Is that and I apologize for that later, Travis. Oh. I didn't mean to post that. <laughs> we're gonna talk about that, right? Yeah. Uh it honestly was heartbreaking for me, right? Yeah. You know, how are you gonna lead somebody to the Lord if you won't even talk to them, right? If you're just gonna ban them. Yeah, that's one thing that I think I've noticed from from some uh, believers on social media there's such a a bitterness such a such a harsh attitude for those who disagree politically and i'm not saying there shouldn't be disagreement and i'm not saying we shouldn't hold to our values and principles and be willing to to speak to those publicly we should but to to do so in such a harsh way to say you're an idiot or something like that. I'm not sure that serves us well, you know, and, and I, I told somebody recently, uh, I think probably many people who you disagree with politically are also people who would disagree with you on spiritual matters. Like they're not believers. They've not been reborn. <laughs> they have a mind that's blinded by sin. Like we can't expect them to agree with us on everything. And yet, we're, we're also adding additional barriers by insulting them on social media or by just completely dismissing them as, as individuals. And so that, I think, is going to come back to bite us. And, uh, Trevin Wax had a really good article. I, I don't remember when it was posted on the Gospel Coalition, but um, politics has, has basically become a new religion. And that's why it's so divisive in our country is that people hold to their political theories and and positions with religious fervor. And so that just makes the division much more heated. And so while it used to be that we we might disagree on some specifics of, of what's best, we all kind of had a similar view of where the nation needed to go and what needed to happen, but that's not the case anymore. It's not, we don't have any shared vision. And so it's, it's difficult, even within the church. Pastoring this season, I had a, a, a young lady who attended that, you know, went to some protest early in the year, and she talked about how they would have prayer before they did these protests and different things like that. When we saw images from January 6th, the people storming the Capitol building, I saw shirts and hats that says Jesus saves along with a a particular candidate's name. And, you know, it's almost to a point where one side or the other claiming Christianity and not being able to fathom anyone who could vote for the other candidate, even being a believer or being somebody they want to associate with. And uh, it is kind of toxic. And you, and you know, a minute ago. So there's that issue and, and trying to wade through all of that, which is a mess. And then there's the other issue of, you know, thinking through how we be tough and tender, right. As, as ministers, you know, there's definitely seasons where Jesus is tough 
and seasons where Jesus is tender. The difference is people that are claiming to be, you know, Yahweh's, he's pretty tough on, right? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, but the woman at the well who's caught in all kinds of sexual sin and, you know, he is pretty tender with. So there is a need to, to be clear on who we have to give a strong message toward and who we have to make clear, you know, there is grace for you, right? Yeah, definitely. And that, that just calls for wisdom and, and the guidance of the spirit in our lives. I mean, we cannot operate in the flesh in those sorts of situations or we will probably approach them wrongly. And as I said earlier, I think that hurts our witness. It, it, burns bridges. Uh, I think it's going to, I think it's going to reflect poorly on the church in the days and years to come. Uh, so we've got to remember that, you know, we, we want to be good citizens. We want to do what we can for the best of our earthly nation, but that's not our primary allegiance. Our primary allegiance is to the kingdom. And so how can we best serve as ambassadors of, of that kingdom and not just our political party or our earthly nation yeah and that that to me was one of the positives in all this is, is i think i think upon reflection I'm, I'm not sure it was made entirely evident to a lot of people in in this moment but hopefully upon reflection some people will recognize the way that they really you know that they married their political views to their faith and and so so my hope is that as we reflect on what we've been through not just as a nation, but more so as, as a church within this nation, as a people within this nation, that, that we will recommit ourselves to our, our primary mission of, of the proclamation and demonstration of the gospel. And, and maybe we will be able to put some of these things that, that became primary, we'll be able to place them secondary. Because again, it, it, if some of the things we're afraid of come true, it, it will be even more challenging in the years to come to continue to follow Jesus and be faithful to the word of God and in, in, in what we do as a church. So, so, so that to me was a blessing in all this, that, that we had a chance to, to really clarify what are we going to be about? Which is a great segue to now we have a new president. What do we do? A uh, few things that I want to point out our new president, president Joe Biden. Uh, he has, I guess the best way to say, to think about him, he's presented himself in a lot of different ways through the years. He was a very staunch segregationist at one point in his political career, uh, where he was putting a lot of pressure on one Supreme Court judge in particular, who was being appointed at the time, who was African-American, claiming to have changed position now. Uh, I think he's almost different even than Vice President uh, Joe Biden. And so it's it's somewhat hard for me on some level to... Um, with those kind of, you know, reputations, it was, he was almost presented as a left of center candidate. But as we have seen when he has got into office, the legislation that has been signed in in the first few days has been definitely heading towards the left. And the main interest that we're going to have in this as ministers of the gospel is I think we're going to see equality and fairness. I'm, gonna, I'm using quotation fingers. I know you can't see that as listeners set against religious liberty. And I think that we saw that under the Obama administration. We're going to see that again under the Biden administration. And uh, wh what are we to do here, right? What, what, what is our response to this? You know, this is not administration that we want to see necessarily. We don't want to enter into a season of persecution 
that I think is coming. A friend of mine just sent me a text in Canada, north of us here. Uh, a minister was sent to, to two years in prison and a $12 million fine, went to Southern Seminary with Neil and I. Uh, is a day like that coming in the United States? Well, it might be, right? Uh, but, you know, for now, it, it's, um, it's uh, he is still our president. What does the word of God tell us where to do in the face of a, of a leader like this? Should we just get on social media and rail against them? Should we be angry about the current situation? How should we think rightly and correctly about President Biden, even if he is a president that may make things difficult for us in the church? Well, I think, I think that's an easy one. And, and again, P- Peter answered that for us in his first letter. And we actually, we just quoted this, uh, this past Sunday in our church setting, but but again, he, he closes this little section on submitting to authority by saying, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. And and we can't um, lay claim to the exclusivity of our struggles as Christians under um, under secular rule when it comes to the early church. I mean, they they gave us a run for the money, if not, we're, we're more challenged than we are today. And, and again, I, I think the beauty of us being in the position we're in as conservative evangelicals is is when, when we are challenged in those ways, it gives us an opportunity to be clear about what we believe and who God has called us to be. And so so if God uses persecution to do that, then, then by his grace, let it come and give us the strength to be faithful in the midst of it. Um, but we can't shrink back. We can't be afraid to speak the word and and, and to live in contrast. To, to what becomes more and more acceptable as a culture. And in some ways, it wouldn't matter who won the election. Our, our culture is still going in a particular direction, and we still have to speak. I don't necessarily mean against that as, as angry opposition, but against that in terms of, of insofar as it rebels against God's word, we have to give people a biblical picture of who God has created us to be and, and what it means to follow Jesus. So our, our mission doesn't change, and maybe the opposition makes it clearer, and we're less likely to be fooled into walking alongside people who maybe aren't taking us towards Christ. That's a, that's a good word. Um, a, a couple of scriptures come to my mind. Romans 13, obviously dealing with you know the authority that God has entrusted to human government and how we are to respect that authority, submit to that authority as long as it is appropriate. But we need to remember as well that any authority they have is on loan to them from God, from Jesus, who has all authority in heaven and on earth. So if there comes a point when a government misuses that authority, we submit to a higher authority and we obey God rather than men, just as the apostles did, just as uh, the Hebrews did in exile, just as the Hebrew midwives did under Pharaoh. Like there's a long tradition of that. And so we want to be clear about that and ready to do that if it comes. But the other passage that comes to mind, First Timothy 2, when Paul encourages us to pray for kings and all those who are in authority, what I think is sometimes missed is the phrase that comes right after that. He says, you know, for kings, all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. There's a tendency to just constantly be up in arms and angry about things. And to jump into the middle of every debate and every controversy, there's really something special about being able to lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity where we're confident about who we serve and why, and we don't have to give in to panic. Um, So I think that's important. And I think it's also advantageous for us if we can 
present a Christianity that remains cheerful and winsome and, you know, secure in the hope that we have, I think that will serve us well. Another thing that I think I have been convicted about now that we have a new president and I've been feeling this way for some time, um, you know, we, we don't fit in as, as evangelical Bible believing Christians, we don't fit in on the left. There are some critiques that the left has of culture that may be right when they point to greed and corporations and things like that. There, there's some things we can probably get on board with, but there's certainly some things in there that, that we're going to struggle with the affirmation of, of a sexual ethic that is completely counter to both the old and new Testament. We can't affirm those things as Bible believing Christians, but then we also don't really fit in on the far right either as Bible believing uh, people, right? Uh, there are some things that, that concern me on the far right, the, the coldness, the hatred, the lack of understanding, uh, you know, it, 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 the harshness that, that we see at times, um, you know, I, I just, I'm not sure that we can really, we really fit into that mold. And so I think the church's function here in the United States at this point uh, is one that has always served, and that is where to be first and foremost, the beacon of light calling people to Jesus Christ, and even for those that won't come to Christ, hopefully we remain salt and light, like Jesus said, that we can remain a conscience for the nation, uh, calling both right and left out and the wrongs that they're in as they and calling them to pursue Christ first and foremost. So I think the church in the in the fact that we have a new president, we need to enter into a season of clarity as to what our message is. Because I think that the, you know, when you when people see individuals raiding the White House or the Capitol building with Jesus Save shirts on. And then when they see people praying in prayer circles before Black Lives Matter marches, there is a lack of clarity as to what Christians are and what Christians do as it is swept up in these political agendas and these political um, demonstrations. So I think we're going to have to move into a season of, of clarity as the church as to what we do and don't affirm. Uh, another thing that I think Christians have got to be aware of is uh, I think we need to move into a season of unity within the church. Neil talked about the perfect storm coming together. One of my friends, John, said this, you know, you, whatever you win them with, you win them too. And the reality is, let's, let's be honest, not everybody's come back from this season of COVID and this political season. And if we had to be honest, some aren't coming back at all because some of the things that held them to the church are gone, <laughs> you know, and they may or may not come back. Uh, so bringing the people back together and rallying around a central message, uh, I think clarity will also breed unity. What do you brothers think? I, I was... I was all over that one recently in a conversation I was having at our church. Cause, cause again, we've seen a lot of people gone and, and some we're hearing from digitally, some we're not hearing from at all yet. But, but again, I, this, we had a unique season where God kind of took everything off the board and, and gave us a chance to say, what is it, what is really essential to being the church and how can we better pursue that? And so part of what I said in that conversation is as people return I hope that we're able to present them with a, a clearer, to your point, um, Travis, a, a clearer understanding of what it is to be a member of a local church so, so that our commitment to one another will be strengthened. And, and this is, again, 
for everything we've been through, this is small compared to what could be coming for the church. And, and so how are we going to be prepared after this? And what can we learn from this so that we are committed first and foremost to Jesus, but also to one another in a way that, yeah, unity will not be threatened by, by divisive events in the history of our nation like it has been in the last 12 months. Yeah, I would say that if God is gracious enough to use all of these things to bring us to a point of greater clarity and greater devotion to him and to his church, then that's a blessing. And, and, you know, however he brings that about, that's, that's a good thing. But uh, to Neil's point, I do think there are probably greater challenges still to come. And one thing that I think we're going to see is that the dividing line is going to become much clearer between those who are serious about really living for Jesus and obeying his word and those who have just been caught up in a sort of cultural Christianity. So I think in a sense, God may be refining the church in our, in our place, in our day through these events. And we will maybe not, uh, hopefully I would say not look exactly like we did before, but maybe there will be some purification that happens there. And those who are with us will, will really be with us in maybe a sense they weren't before. Yeah, I think that's, that's, um, that's the hope is that, you know, through these hard, difficult times, I have never felt such pressure to address political issues from the pulpit than I did in 2020. I mean, it was, it was intense. And I had people coming to me, talking to me about, uh, you know, what the latest right wing or left wing shock jock had said. And, you know, you got to address this, you got to say something about this. And, you know, I've always had an arm's length relationship with politics from the pulpit. I, the primary function of the pulpit is the feeding of the sheep, the word of God and, and staying out of that. But this isn't the pulpit necessarily here that we're on today. We got a little bit different platform on here. Uh, so I, you know, I hope that what we will commit ourselves to is, uh, that we'll do what the commands of scripture said, that we will pray for our new president and his family, because it really doesn't matter what political position you hold. Half the nation is going to hate you no matter what decision you make anyway. So who would kind of, I've often thought who would want a job like that? You know, we pastor churches of 100, 200 people and, you know, we can't, we can't make them happy most of the time with any decisions that we make, much less the whole nation. And then two, I think, gosh, what if, what if him and his family come to the Lord? What a great reflection that would be and what, how God would be glorified and honored in that. And then I hope we'll also commit to praying for the outgoing president as well. Uh, you know, he is, he has faced a lot of, a lot of persecution since he's been in the office. And uh, um, so, you know, prayed for him and his family that they'll turn to Christ and, and heal in him. Uh, so anyway, I, I think that uh, to land the plane here, cause we're pretty much out of time. I think that the church must enter into a season of clarity. The church must enter into a season of being clear on what biblical Christianity is. One of the things that we are seeing is that biblical Christianity really isn't popular in the wider culture and popular Christianity really isn't biblical is one of the things that we're facing right now. And that we will commit ourselves to praying not only for our president, but for all of our government leaders that are over authority with us, even if it is with borrowed leadership. Any closing thoughts or remarks before we close out, brothers? We could go on and on all day, but that's probably sufficient. 
All right. Thank you for being with us. Join us next week uh, when we come back and uh, keep having these discussions that hopefully are helpful to you as you minister through these uh, interesting times that we live in. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.